Welcome to the Get In It podcast. We've got the skankiest episode yet with Mr. Jay Burns from Fuzzy Gish. How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> Thanks so skanky, much. yeah. Skanky. skanky. Yeah, yeah. We, that was definitely the skankiest episode. Yeah, I mean, I always thought of skanking as like a kind of dance, you know, like Jamaican dance or whatever, like a whole scar, but there's another side of it, you know, people called skanks and stuff. And I thought, okay. But this is the other side. This yeah, is the we, we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, now people skanking like always just brought up a picture in my head of you know when you just sort of make your body move without thinking about what it's going to do it's like it's like the people around you make it move it's like yeah. <laughs> cool. it's not a mosh pit it's a dance pit yeah you get a lot of like gigs like uh, people come up and go like hey tell people to skank man they're killing each other or something like this it's like a constant like <laughs> kind of like, well we can put up like a slideshow but I don't know you know you gotta, you gotta teach it <laughs> get it on but they like your, you've you've been an enigma in my brain for quite a while. Because <laughs> like, always saw you in the scene. Like growing up, so you chose and what whatever. But like, I have no idea who you actually are. So like, <laughs> give me a little background, keep like where you're from, how you grew up, that kind of vibe. Uh, I, could, I could keep the enigma alive, but um, yeah, I grew up in Joburg. I'm Joburg, born and bred, uh, Josie. <laughs> uh, I kind of you know and went to school here, yeah, I, I was, there was some times that I moved away for a little bit, but yeah, I always ended up coming back here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know, for better or for worse. And uh, yeah, I mean, playing guitar uh, at school started like when I was at 14 or something. Oh, yeah. Like that, yeah. It was a kind of, uh, I wanted to play this guitar, my mom said, you know, if you get it strung, we had a guitar lying around. It, it what said, guitar was it? It was like an old classical, beat up thing that my uncle had. It wasn't oh. very it wasn't really a great guitar at all. I think I think I still got it. And it's like I wanted to turn it into like a, something, I don't know. <laughs> a guitar. And, uh, um, so my mom said, you know, get it strung and we'll, I'll take you for lessons. Hoping that that would be like the end of it because I was wouldn't follow through with this. I got it strung, I don't know how because I but it got it strung. Went to lessons and then after six months I said to my mom, ah, I don't like guitar, I want to give up. And she said, now that you've started it, you've got to do it for at least a year. <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> and then, so yeah, and then like, you know, just uh, jammed and wanted to play play music, you know, knew I wanted to play music and know exactly. What were you listening to at that point? Sure. Started off, uh, well, um, older brothers and sisters and cousins, you know, so are great for that kind of stuff. Dude, my older brother like shaped everything in terms of my music. <laughs> <laughs> Mine as well, and for better or for worse, yeah. Like, but he had a really like, you know, like a totally um, crazy collection of stuff. So I used to just go and look, you know, he had everything from like Alice in Chains mm. to, you know, Led Zeppelin to Christa Berg, you know? So it was like, there was like this weird kind of like, bad to really good <laughs> spectrum to yeah. enjoy, which is cool, you know, like, it's just like, yeah. um, and so I guess, uh, and, and then when I got into guitar, I mean, I, I just really got into, metal was the thing, you know, it was mm. cool, my, I found a, uh, my teacher was a metalhead, he was in a band called Odyssey, he taught me like Van Halen licks and Metallica licks, and I was like, this guy is the coolest, you know, and <laughs> it's, a, it's a great place to start on guitar. Definitely, definitely. I also came from metal. Um, my brother's good to bad was sort of like Black Sabbath, and then at one stage there was Eminem involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which he, he won't even admit to it. 
But okay. yeah, so then sort of the, the good stuck around, but it was always, growing up, it was like, I want to be the most metal guitarist I can possibly be. And then that sort of slowly just went down to... Uh, rock and roll is fun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's strange how, like, it's a, I guess it's a, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a great starting point. And, and it's, it's kind of just a great place to learn those riffs and stuff. So, mm. And like some technique as well. Definitely, yeah. So that was, hey, it was, it was a step up from Duran Duran where I was before, so it was... <laughs> Yeah, not Duran Duran. <laughs> yeah, it was not Duran Duran. <laughs> it was a hardcore Billy Idol. Uh, yeah, Billy Idol, I think I remember having uh, when I had hair once upon a time. Um, we were talking about it a long time ago. So, yeah, and then you know what it's like? You find buddies and try to convince them that music's cool. And uh, there was a guy, a friend of mine, Mike, at high school, and convinced him to buy a drum kit. It took a while. You know? He was threatening phrases, but then he used to go to your their house and then wait for the parents to go somewhere and then like you know clear out the garage or clear out the yeah. <laughs> you know, make as much noise as you can <laughs> until somebody came home and tried to learn that stuff so yeah I was kind of like that and and right up for quite a long time and then kind of had an idea that I you know need to I think like punk came along I found punk and found Sky and, and it just was like whoa this major yeah. moment of like ah oh, this is the way it just made so much sense to me at the time and it was it was great and it was like it was all yeah DIY and Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and it's kind of you know you can do this and and you don't have to be Yingui Malmsteen (laughs) (laughs) which which it felt like you had to have long hair and and be playing like you know Steve Irwin yeah so it took all that pressure away and was Mm -hmm. like it was great like it was great like I don't know so obviously it's sort of a different era you're talking about, but early 2000s still, there was a stigma of like, if you want to go into music, you have to like prove something. Yeah, I think it's, maybe, I don't know what it's like now, but I don't, like hopefully, I think now it's like a very creative. It's like, Dude, honestly, I think the, the sort of underground rap scene has opened it up a lot towards like making people feel like, oh, I can just do this. Yeah, yeah. Instead. I think it's a lot like that, yeah. And technology has also helped people, for, you know, as, I mean, there's, the bad side of it, everybody put out something. <laughs> but at the same time, it's, it's awesome because it's like, you know, the tools are there if you've got ideas and you're a creative person mm. and you can, you can make something cool if you really want to and you're prepared to put in the, you know, the hard work and the persistence because it really yeah. is like, it's like, it's grueling because it's always like, you put out stuff and it's like, you know, it's like a piece of you, it's very personal, <laughs> you know. And if you put it out and it gets like 10 yeah. lessons and one person's like, oh, this is shit. Yeah, it's like bad <laughs> comment, exactly. Like, it's like, I'd be like, oh man, it's like, it's destroying. So like, you know, the first thing is, is to just have, record one song, you know. Mm. And it's like, wow, we got a song and then somebody sang along to it at the gig, that's awesome. Dude, that is... It's the best. Literally the best feeling I've ever had. Was <laughs> it's, 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 it's amazing. So it's like, that is... Um, yeah, it just feeds the, the mm. desire. And it's cool to connect with people because, uh, I mean, you think ultimately, like, you know, these are my, I'm like this, my f- angst that I'm having or my thoughts or my issues, whatever, or my opinions, like, they're, they're just mine. Nobody else shares them. But then you realize, hey, you know, <laughs> this is not like that. Like, there's know? always someone who can relate to what's going on. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and the people that get influenced by it, like, I've had, like, you know, like, the DJs to golf players kind of come up and say, hey, thanks so much. Like, I listened to Fuzzy before I'm, and they're like a professional golfer or, <laughs> or a DJ who's like doing some amazing stuff and he'd be like, oh, but it's just the spirit of it, I guess. That's, that's what's important, really. But that's the thing with music. Like I always say, you can't fake a good show. 
yeah. in terms of people can smell when you're not enjoying yourself on a stage. The live show is a real leveler. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a real honest moment of band and fans and everybody getting together and like it's right there mm. and it's like, yeah, everything's revealed and it's, <laughs> it's very obvious, you know, when it's, when it's not going well and it's very cool when it is going well because it's the best feeling. So to try and get into that space is, 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 is great. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, well, it's, <laughs> it's not easy. It was a toil. <laughs> okay, so you got the drum kit and then? And then, uh, yeah, it was a case of, okay, let's write some, like, you know, we used to play a lot of covers, I remember. Mm. And, and uh, like, it was like, like, you know, it'd be like a Cypress Hill cover, followed by like a Neil Young cover, followed by, uh, <laughs> you know, just like a really like, you know, just to confuse the, everybody that was watching or whatever. Not, we just like, you know, you just like music and, you, and, you, and you're just checking it all out. I but, have fun with it. Yeah, exactly. But then we realized, okay, we need to like kind of maybe figure out some stuff. Uh, and we saw at that stage, the big, the bands that we used to go watch were like um, uh, Dorp or Boo or the Nude Girls. And they all had one thing in common. They had a brass. They had like somebody playing brass. Mm. And we thought, if you add brass, it becomes a party. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so, so true. It's such a good quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a full party. I promise you, it's, it's an amazing thing. Live brass is amazing. And, uh, and then also at the same stage, um, uh, some people gave me a cassette at a gig. Uh, it's, I remember it so clearly. They're like, yeah, listen to this, these bands. Like, you know, it was the Rats and the No Effects and all that stuff. And at the same time, started journeying going into a lot of reggae and mm-hmm. looking at ska and figuring out hey man there's a lot of depth to this, this is this is this is deep <laughs> so it's a rabbit hole yeah exactly <laughs> like, like it is. so and then going cool this actually like makes sense to us it makes sense to south africa something about it connected it's so weird how well ska fits south africa like, i think so yeah i was thinking about it the last couple of days and i still can't like put my finger on why but it just it, the energy and people here sort of yeah i wonder if it's like like somehow like the two-tone movement and and whole um you know black white kind of uh dynamic and everything maybe maybe there's something there maybe, maybe it's the uh, you know it's always cool having a punk and scar like because like you, know, you get tired of the speed and you just take it down to or, <laughs> or whatever you know, okay. mm-hmm. but like so you can it's it's a cool combo. It's really great to mess around with because it's mm. like there's a lot there. And yeah, I don't know what it is about it that connects with Africa. I think maybe it's the brass. <laughs> brass <laughs> for the wind. Dude, that's actually something I wanted to ask. Like, it can't be easy to find a brass player. It wasn't, no, no. We had to find somebody who had played in the marching band at school, you know, and, <laughs> and he played Hawaii Five and we were like, you're in. <laughs> and then hopefully you like Scott. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, we can convince people <laughs> oh, that he was, the, the, if you can find somebody that's, he was into Scott, played uh, Ryan, I mean, he was, uh, he later became, uh, his name was Ryan, he became Skanking Daddy, and Skanking Daddy later became Lucky Wrench when he left the band, and then he was with uh, Slash Dogs, and and, 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 and I think, I don't know what he's up to these days, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, he was from Eastern Cape, and played, okay. he played in the marching band, basically, and it's like, and you're here, this is amazing, because, you know, exactly. You'd think in South Africa there's a lot of jazz and jazz heritage would be easy, but being South Africa and having everybody, uh, making everybody be so separate and apart, it's hard, it's hard to get these connections. Mm. You know, you go like... But that's always been a cool side of like the... More so the punk scene, but even the metal scene, it's always been like almost aggressively inclusive. 
Yeah, yeah. From my perspective. Yeah, I think I think the metal scene is. I mean, what <laughs> I know, um, but I, I, from what I see, like most of these scenes, it's like uh, if, if you're into the into what the scene is of all the music, then that's all that really matters. Hey? Yeah, yeah, like it really like the that's the bottom line. I mean, if, you, if you come to a show with the Lamb of God show, people will yeah, like it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few things that you yeah yeah you gotta just get in there. And once you're in, fine, you're you're in there. But then you have to put up with all with all the the kind of politics within the. There's all seen That's a whole different kettle of fish. That's a whole world, yeah. No, I don't know. But it's always... Like, I don't know. I've just always felt like if I walk into a venue for the first time, especially when I was touring and stuff, people don't know the band you're playing in. You have no, like, clout from that. Um, and you walk into a show, and it's sort of people just immediately are like, oh, yeah, he's one of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, They're like, hey, he's in the band, or he's one of us. So, yeah, so, no, it's always been, like, very... I think so, and I think the punk scene as well. It's always... And, I mean... The reason it wasn't just like us playing; it was like there was all these other bands around, and we all used to play together every weekend. And you know, <laughs> there was like you know, like six bands, you know, like two from Pretoria, three from Joburg, one from Rustenburg, whatever. And then you'd always be playing with those bands, and there would only be four in the bull, so two bands would sit off this one, and it was always <laughs> rotation. And then there would be, but it was cool because they'd bring their buddies, you bring your buddies, they'd see that band and go, "Hey, that's a cool band." Mm. Their buddies see you, so. Like a scene like that is is the best to yeah. just kind of create, you know. Even if it doesn't even have to, just like. I mean, it, yeah, I was really didn't realize it at the time. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it's so easy to take that for granted. Like me, me coming from Bloom. Um, like I mentioned that there's a lot of great musicians that have come out of Bloom, but not a lot of them ever stay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we had this insane setup, which it's still there at the showgrounds in Bloemfontein so it's like once a year you'll have the Bloom show when it's like crazy carnival thing yes, going on yeah. the rest of the year there's nothing happening there except <laughs> for like um, oh what was the word it's like dirt road uh, oval track oh yeah, yeah. yeah like that was the only thing so they had a warehouse that was like a wrestling ring in the middle but around it underneath the sort of bleachers <laughs> there were little rooms from the outside oh, wow. like bedroom size rooms so they started renting them out as band rooms Wow, that's cool, yeah. But it's not like a, a practice studio where you go and there's gear set up and you go home with your guitar. It's basically a place where you can make as much noise as you want. You rent a room and it's your room. You leave oh, your gear there, like you put the padding yeah. on the walls and everything. That's so cool, it was yeah. like Those kind of places are so important. Dude. And like, a, like a whole city can like, come <laughs> to life with just a, that kind of stuff. It literally became this little like cultural mecca of like, <laughs> like uh, Dude, you have a metal band, then an indie band, then like some girl who's just wanting to practice loud through a mic, and then another metal band, and then of this. But everyone would pop into each other's rooms and like check out yeah. the practice, and then if a new band comes in and you're like, oh, you sound cool, and you sound sort of like us, let's play a show together, and then that whole thing just <laughs> happens. And it's I so important. Like, that doesn't, that's not in Jobo. <laughs> I think it is, but I, I don't know, yeah, I, I don't know myself, and obviously not in the last while. <laughs> like, I'm sure it's here, but I just mean that sort of... Yeah, it's just totally, and we used to go to, um, it was Carfax, I don't know what, it's, it might be Carfax still, but basically it was also like rooms that you could rent, and you kind of shared it with another band, and mm. you paid a certain amount a month, and then that gear was in there, and then, you know, you came, and there was stuff everywhere, and then that, but who's leaving there? But it was cool, it was just, yeah, because you'd get together, mm. and, and then... And the, there's been no, a few the nice thing was it was only the only time you weren't allowed to be there was during business hours in the week. <laughs> okay. so you could go there at five in the morning if you wanted, make as much noise as you want, and it's fine. You could yeah, you could just go there, hang, you know, like whatever. It was, <laughs> it was a space where you could just go. 
There's some mates of mine that like they have a room. They don't have a band. <laughs> he puts his amp there and a couple of couches, and he goes and hangs out and plays guitar loud. But like, I was listening to this, this podcast with uh, I can't remember who it was with, but it was like um, basically hip hop dudes from the south uh, of the US, or whatever Atlanta or something like this. And they were also kind of saying there was a farm where they were all hanging out, and that's and they made a lot of cool music there, and the sound of it all, they all influenced each other, and they got this special sound. And then it kind of dissolved. Some of them got really big and toured, and they, they I kind of missed that space. <laughs> you know, like it just d- disappeared. But at that moment, there was a great like place for you know because ideas. It's like yeah, and the whole point, like looking back, we didn't, or I can speak for myself. I didn't appreciate it as much as I should. Yeah. <laughs> that no, was well, like in the back of my head. I was always like sure that oh, Joe, of course, Jobo has this, but a million times yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. And like we just wanted to be able to play more shows, but it's, you can only play in Bloom so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, Bloom is, is, I mean, smaller than Joburg, and Joburg we have complained about venues, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, a, it was a great time, but it's easy to take stuff for granted when it's right in front of you. Yeah, and, and you know what also is kind of interesting is how everybody, I guess when you start, like, it's kind of like, we, I mean, we did the same thing, we were like trying to emulate our heroes or bands that we liked and stuff, and then you realize that, um, you really, the best thing you can do is just kind of be your own creative <laughs> voice, but you don't like, and you limit it because you only have certain gear and you don't have the, what you want, but that's actually really a good thing. Yeah. Because yeah. it gives you this kind of other sound. Exactly. Like Tom Morello's thing was he, as soon as Ray J's Machine got their first sort of record deal, they got a bunch of money to go out and buy gear. And he went out, he like thought about what he needs on his pedal board, he bought a bunch of stuff. And then as soon as he did that, he was like, this is a rabbit hole I will never step out of. <laughs> and he told himself, this amp and these pedals that I own are now my, my things for the rest of my life. A real creative, like, killer. Yeah. And in like, a strange way. This is, that's all he's been using, and that's how he came across with all his different crazy sounds and things. But he doesn't buy any new gear, still. It's, it's wise, man. I, 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 you know, I've got logic. Of course, it's a base level you want yeah. that to, but... <laughs> exactly. From that point Top on, it's, points. <laughs> from that point on, it's sort of diminishing returns. Well, like, you kind of like creativity, like you can do it like in some, like, you know, and you can, like you can easily like say, oh, I need this and this to be, to do that <laughs> thing, but you don't really, like you just mm. kind of come across the ideas and, and, and it's like with, yeah, when I got those like logic pro, it's like amazing, this is awesome, you can do a billion things and have 80,000 tracks and it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> just limit yourself. No, it is. I went into Ableton Live a while back as well and like, oh. It's uh, power. Dude, it was a week of like, I just wanted to be able to record like decent sounding demos <laughs> and then I'm... You go in there. Dude, I'm all of a sudden like studying synths and how they <laughs> yeah, like, We don't even have synths in the band. It doesn't matter, <laughs> man. Just add them. So yeah, so I think like in terms of, and I mean, we're talking about when we started, <laughs> luckily it wasn't, um, you know, it was, I like to think of it as BC, so before cell phone. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, they written down, I love it so much. <laughs> And now it's BCs before COVID, so it's kind of been up at the end of it. But, uh, mm. like, yeah, if we had, because we had, there was a kind of a band from 97, so, and then 2000, <laughs> and then we had two guitars in there, and we were very grungy, and we kind of in that, in that, kind of that spirit of things, but, uh, like, me and Mike were definitely, like, kind of like, hey, we want to play this. First of all, it's upbeat, uh, it's not depressing, you know, we yeah. want to do, like, like for us, uh, Scar especially, is, it's, like, positive. Yeah. You know? It's even like ghost, this town's becoming a ghost town. Yeah, it's like even that got a bit of a it's minor chord, but it's kind of like yeah, there's a positive vibe about it. So anyway, we were going in that direction. So then we got one of our guitarists left, 
uh, and then we got the brass in and then we went to record uh, Skankers Union at B Sharp which was in Boxburg and I always used to hear about it on just on, on Barney Simon's show Five of him <laughs> he used to have it you could because you could Barney it was cool he had like um, he had the I think it was 8 till 12 slot yeah but like yeah really like you yeah. know it was and uh, you could take him in demos he'd play them and, and, and it was great like that I used to go around and Dude, he was such an influential like character in the scene yeah it was a real like you know it was like and he used to talk about these places at, on the gig guide or whatever this, yeah. you know, and then you could be like you know, the Peter Stuyvesant or whatever sponsored by <laughs> which was a lot and then you'd be like at the Ruby and the Dust in Cape Town this weekend it's like you know lithium and this and in my head oh, the Ruby and the Dust is this huge amazing mecca and you go there and it's like a, a little, little little tiny bar <laughs> but um, yeah that was so it was a lot of like that, yeah. You know, you just want to you see these bands and you see them doing stuff. Mm. And you want to be there. You Dude, I miss that like mysticism of yeah. things. I remember growing up. Um, so my brother's six years older than me. Yeah, six years older than me. And when he started going out and stuff, there was this bar in Bloom. I'm sure you played the Mystic Boot. Yeah, yeah. Um, he would tell me stories about the Mystic Boot the whole time, and like in my head, it gets built up as like this crazy place, <laughs> it's Ooh, the coolest yeah, thing in the world. And then you walk in there, and it's like. Oh, it's quite dingy. Get <laughs> <laughs> the lights off and blow the lights. Yeah, yeah. Like collecting your gear. Never, never walk through domestic wood in the daytime. <laughs> like pretty much like collect your gear, you know, from a club that you played the night before the next day. And it's like, whoa, this place like, you know, that yeah, night. It looks so much nicer. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think uh, that's, uh, it's true. And also like, I think with like social media bands, like, the access to information now, like, you know, all those, and also because music is just so accessible. Mm. Like, yeah, that mystery has to be created in other ways. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, I was figuring it out. I don't know how you create mystery through... Well, I didn't see a picture of the Pixies for, like, ages. And then in my head, and, like, I listened to the music, and I was like, wow, these guys are like, they must be like, you know, they like just sound like aliens. Or, <laughs> so I just, I didn't expect them to be, like, so kind of normal looking, uh, you dude, know? It's happened a couple of times to me where, like, I'd listen to someone for years, and then when I see them, I'm like, what? <laughs> this is like, not adding up. Asa Brock, I don't know if you know him, but... He's a very cool rapper from Brooklyn, I think. Yeah. Try to think. What's that? Asa Brock. Asa Brock. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's a white guy, and for years I was listening to him thinking, like, straight up, this is a black rapper. He's got a, yeah. And then I see the photo, and it's just a standard sort of looking white dude, and I'm like, what? That just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, so sometimes that, yeah, that mystery is a, is, a great, <laughs> is a great place to be, so. Yeah. Um, I th we, and then I realized, like, I mean, I was like, Element to like we had to record like I think it's important to record like mm. just to, even if it's just to document like your time in your life so that one day you can go like these are some songs I recorded or whatever you know yeah. and so and I heard about B Sharp in Boxburg and he was doing like a lot of cool metal recordings like at the time uh, that seemed to be recording there and so when it ran around there and he was still recording onto reels mm. which was like wow that, I think the the first album was recorded onto reel which is it was. You know, first time you go into the studio, we had a few experiences before that yeah. of trying to record stuff, but it wasn't kind of either it was us or it was the studio or something just wasn't happening. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we had, and we finally found uh, John Paul and he's like this, first of all, he's got an amazing ear and you can hear when it guitars just a fraction out of or something like that. <laughs> Much too sometimes it's a great thing, but it can be annoying for the Dude, I was about to say I have that same like curse where I cannot handle the guitar even slightly being out of tune. I like you know we'd like to put 
dissonance or something in the, in the song or something. He'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa what, are you, what are you doing there, you know? <laughs> but for, I mean, he comes from that Deep Purple mm. school of like amazing uh, musicianship, kind of 70s. Yeah. And uh, so, first of all, you have to be able to play it through with yourself, like the whole song with that. <laughs> 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 Which is, you know, you can get around that these days. And, and so, you know, you've got to be able to do it. So it was cool. And he was, you know, it was just such a learning experience to go in there. But we had some songs and I had a scene and we had made connections with Durban and Blumpertain, Curb Dogs. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he left Blumpertain after the Curb Dogs. Totally out anyway. And, uh, <laughs> and Cape Town with uh, the bands there. So there was like a bit of like a, a scene around. So we recorded the album and then I was like, cool, we can go. Now, we can go to, now we've got a reason to go do a tour. Yeah. Because you know we can leave something behind. Because I always like it's cool to tour, but like if you don't have something to leave, people just forget. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like you know, uh, we went there and we had and we had cool times. And, and luckily, the guys that were there was you know we all kind of just true to the spirit of punk ethics and just like yeah, come, we'll make the show. Yeah. And it was great. So uh, and so then from there it was coolest, and we did other albums. So yeah, that's how it all began. Really, it was kind of. Like, but you had to make a decision, okay, like, we have to do this album, we must do it, no matter what, you know. No, dude, that's it. Was and it then, like a, a having to sort of scrounge up some money to be able to do it kind I of I think a, so, yeah. Like, I can't remember actually how much it cost, and, and, um, but it would have been like, you know, like, yeah, like, because you wouldn't have been earning a lot as a band, like, mm-hmm. you're getting paid in BL. <laughs> and just you know whatever the doors you know it's like even if you get paid in money it hardly covers the yeah exactly way. exactly so like so we we got we managed to do it I don't know how but we got there and um, and then and then you know you finish the album and you're like, cool and I oh we've got to actually put, produce this production of this there's still CDs and I so we to put more money into making CDs like what the hell it's never oh no they want like to make now we have to go to it and spend more money you know like when <laughs> <laughs> we ever see this back. But I think uh, we were like all so in love with it that we, it wasn't a problem and it was just cool to be mm. on this adventure and mission together. Dude, so you, you've already sort of started on a thing I wanted to do, but I kind of wanted to go through like each album. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. just get a little bit of background behind them. So we've, we've gone through Skankers Union. Yeah, Skankers was it. So Southern Scar Stumper? Yeah, then we, then we, um, we then that was like, we were done in one album now, so we were veterans, you know. <laughs> 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 no, we like, cool. We drove, we drove back to John Paul and we were like, let's do another album. And that album was like, um, we had Revolution, which was a skate kind of company at mm-hmm. the time, and they were behind it. So, uh, which was cool, you know. It was nice, to, like, somebody was like, cool. And they were like, yeah, we'll get behind it. And, and so we had a, we had a, like a CD cover that you could fold out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was like, you know, we could have a little bit of. Like a little bit. We had a launch gig in a launch show, which is like the most important thing you can do because mm. it's like one time that you're gonna have get everybody there that will actually buy it. Like you know, like it's all great, and uh, and it was cool. And we had like, and that album was like really like a collection. Like somebody said, it sounds like a mixtape. It's, <laughs> like, it's got so many different styles in it. You know, um, it sounded like the same thing. And we had a. At that stage, we had uh, Lord Zoltan on, on the keys. He came in on the, on the keyboards. Uh, the Hammond, like, it was like, not a Hammond organ, that's pretty big, but it was like an organ. Yeah. And then, yeah, which is cool. I mean, it was just, so we had a five piece at that stage, yeah. And uh, it was cool. Yeah, it was, it was an epic album. <laughs> it was, and then, 
I don't know what else to say about Ray. <laughs> like, I recently inherited a Hammond Dogen from my, used to be my mom. A, a, a real one? Yeah. And they're, they're big. It's not that big. But you, can, you wouldn't take it around with you a lot of places, or would you? No, it's heavy. Yeah, is, is it? I've like, seen guys do a thing where they, because it's basically just an electric keyboard. It's not even a keyboard, it's more, it's more of a guitar than a keyboard. This is about, it's, about, it it's about the... Yeah, it's like, it's different discs that, like they aren't perfectly round, they have a little like, Cut out, cut out yeah. that are all on one bar and that bar spins at like whatever your powers thing is so 60 hertz and those are the things you okay. and then every time you press a key it's actually taking a, a straight up guitar pickup down over the one of wow. those spinny things so it's literally a metal thing moving being picked up by a magnetic pickup and then going through exactly guitar amp circuitry through speakers so that's where guitar amps come from oh really that's... Well, the technology sort of evolved from this if you open the back it's just valves <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, I know I've heard of like guys playing keys through guitar amps, but then, you know. But you can also, like, you can mod a Hammond so you can use guitar pedals through it. Uh, is that what you uh, hit? That's what I want to do. You have to take it around with you, hey, Hammond. Yeah, but the, the whole thing is, like, guys chop them in half, sort of. So they chop the top keyboard bit with that whole me mechanism behind okay. it off. And then the bottom is essentially your amp slash cab. Wow. Um, so then you can sort of transport it. Something just flew to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then... Then you can sort of transport yeah, it yeah. relatively easily. It's kind of like having a double bass, yeah? like it's a great instrument and then it's like, whoa, but it's big. You know? or, or just being a drummer. <laughs> As you know. Uh, I mean, yeah. It was a, I think um, there was a time, hey, like in this, I don't know, the, the, the days of, I mean, the 80s or the 70s when they had the, the drummers just had the biggest, insane <laughs> kids ever. Because they had drum takes, I guess. But it must have been hard on everybody that didn't have a drum take who was inspiring because then they also had to like have a 17 piece yeah. kind of with a gong in it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's luckily, that kind of seems to have faded a bit. Like, it's not, it's not essential in, you know, it's, it's, if you want to go that way, cool. Yeah. We're very much in a kind of no pressure kind of like, you want to go there, do that. Yeah. But people also like appreciate simplicity a lot more these days. Yeah, I feel. definitely. I think uh, because maybe there's just so much going on, like, there's just so much. Of, yeah, yeah, I think it's kind of people just want to cut through the bloat of it all and get to a point. Mm. And like, if someone can, especially in music, if you can get your point across within like 10 seconds of hearing it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. People, if, you, if you're gonna connect to it, you're gonna connect to it. Yeah, I think so. Like, you know, kind of, and this the song deteriorates a lot, or they suddenly say something that you really like, you take a friend to. You kind of know pretty much a friend, like, oh, I like the, the sounds, I like the, mm. the vibe, like, yeah, you can tell. Um, like I'm sure back in the day everyone sort of had the experience like every town kind of had a road that was full of bars and stuff yeah and you could kind of walk down the road and then you'd hear this bar more than one or the other one and then you'd just hear something and go in go check out that one yeah I'll see what's, this what's happening and you're like oh this is a, this is the new sound <laughs> <laughs> like I think that's how I yeah that's how I saw Goodnight Wembley for the business uh, yeah, yeah. I was like I was literally just walking down the road on the way to a different bar and I was like oh no that sounds like it let me go in there that's the cool thing about festivals as well like, mm. you like especially like if it's a really like bunch of like you've like really mixed and you don't like all the stuff you wouldn't normally go watch or yeah. you've heard Pickle of Pickle is a good example yeah and, and you walk around and the best thing was just like stumbling into those places that you're not expecting or and, and you walk in and this is cool <laughs> or you get to see something that you wouldn't normally go watch but it's cool. exactly like one of my favorite things is always whenever I would go to a festival I would make a point of not checking out people I don't know on the lineup beforehand yeah yeah and then at the festival like after I just watched the show I would just speak to whoever's around me and be like what are you gonna go watch <laughs> yeah, yeah. what is that explain it to me a little bit yeah, that's then. cool eh? <laughs> no, let the festival take you yeah <laughs> and like some of my favorite local bands of 
gotten that way. Um, people I would never have gone and watched like on my own, Medicine Boy, for example. Yeah, then you like to see it, and sometimes the recording might not. Yeah. Or they don't have a record, or you you know it's not quite there yet. I made the mistake actually for a very long time of sort of only listening to local bands live and almost not going out of my way to listen to a recording because yeah, yeah. It, it happened a couple of times I can't even remember with who but then I listened to a recording and it's like terrible well not yeah. even terrible but I just didn't yeah, like it no, at all and then I see them live afterwards and I'm like why did you sound that bad on a recording you're amazing yeah yeah. I think that happens but then it gets to a point I think that was a mistake that was definitely a mistake and then you get to a off. point where where you actually know these recordings are oh, Oh, it's sounding great. Yeah. <laughs> Things are happening, yeah. yeah. The bands, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> I, I'm gonna say I prefer it the other way. <laughs> yeah. if it's a good live show, I can take your recording being a good band. <laughs> this is also having your own little secret personal band that, that you only know and appreciate, and then other people start to like it. So, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I guess other people can like you as well. Yeah, you're allowed. Yeah, <laughs> but I knew you before. <laughs> and then kind of like, I always wear that little badge of honor. <laughs> I think we might call the next, like the new album. Let's go. Uh, I prefer the early stuff. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that, but it's a, it's a out there. Because uh, I mean, I, I hear myself say that so many times. Like, oh, I like that. They're, they're cool. Cool. But I really yeah. like the, the first album. They got shit after the first. Album. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> I don't really like, damn, okay, no, I really like the latest album the most. <laughs> uh, what's it, Bring of the Horizon Syndrome? <laughs> okay, I don't think anyone's ever taken such a U-turn in terms of their sound. Yeah, I think, I mean, the little I know of Bring Me the Horizon, um, and what I've been told is the amazingly huge, yeah. <laughs> amazingly uh, good at marketing, and just like, there's a whole clothing label, They're and a whole empire that's, that's been created around them. We were sitting the other day in the office and we had uh, like BBC One radio playing in the background and bloody Bring Me The Horizon song comes on. <laughs> and we're sitting there like... The whole fans are... It's, uh, it's a pretty mellow song but the chorus is still like full on heavy guitars and he does proper screams and stuff. Did you have mixed feelings? I'm fine with it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I depends how close you are to them. Hey. But it just blew my mind that that's on BBC One. Yeah, The yeah. biggest radio station in England is playing someone screaming. <laughs> Ten years ago, you wouldn't really have thought that a thing. It's true, like you know, these things are always. So, like, if anything, I have more respect for them for doing that. Yeah, I guess it's a kind of a case of like, if you're not going to take that position or that gap or or get there, somebody else's. So why not, not why not get in there and put and, and put out your ideas and stuff. So also, you know? like, if that's what you want to do, if you want to become the biggest band on the world, if that's your goal, you yeah. can't be held accountable for like, oh, you're. First fans don't like your new stuff. So have to, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to keep doing the same album. I mean, you're gonna be in a trap forever, then. Like, you really <laughs> gotta just do what you like, dude. Because otherwise, it's like, it's. Uh, I mean, I think, I think in a way, like speaking of bands, it's like suddenly, like Metallica <laughs> and the whole like like album and afterwards. And I think, I mean, there's a whole, I think that monster, like you know, the whole documentary about them going like the, you know, the mental health stuff. So they yeah. were just like totally like don't know what to do. Suddenly, they're this big thing. You know, you you kind of. You can't really feel sorry for them. <laughs> it's like whatever, and I feel sorry for them staying in their mansion. Yeah, yeah. So it's suddenly alienated from everybody they know. It's like it's weird. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, it's it's you bring it on. I guess they bring it on themselves. I don't know. I don't know. We don't have that. <laughs> when, the, when the new fuzzy album comes with the you know ballads. One thing I loved about fuzzy was like you guys sort of you can hear between your albums that there's always something different going on. 
Yeah, but it stays within this like fuzzy tangent. It always, <laughs> sounds, it always sounds like fuzzy dish, but the one album's a bit more like a bit punkier, a bit faster, yeah, yeah, a bit yeah, heavier yeah. than the other ones. We have a joke more. like we put it through the fuzzy filter and then it comes up the other side. We <laughs> just take the song and like put it in and like you just you know, speed it up and 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 add some skank and then and and because I mean songs essentially yes, a good song is a good song and it can be done yeah. in a lot of ways. I have just, a very favorite quote, which is like if. A song can't be broken down to one person with one guitar playing and singing. Yeah, yeah. it's not a good song. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could say, yeah. I mean, I think if you want to really connect with a lot of people, that's important. That's mm. a, and that's like a simplicity thing, I guess. Uh, <laughs> being able to play a, it's so weird, like yeah, because you learn when you start off, uh, you want to learn like all you know the most complicated chords and the, the stuff, and you learn these amazing things, and you want to show them off, so you like squeeze them into everything, <laughs> and then like later on, like you go, wow, can you can you like write a song with you know just two chords? It's like that's it's a hard thing to keep people interested. That's something I got from like uh, I think it was Jack White. He has his like. He's got a million strange, arbitrary little rules that he makes for himself. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got a quirky dude. Yeah. You know, like he, wants, he wants to make everything on stage as hard as possible. So like he'll put the <laughs> piano as far away as possible, so he has to run to it. Like, <laughs> to see if the desire's still there. <laughs> but the one thing that really sort of connected to me was he said, like, threes. Three is his number in terms of he, he thought about it while he was doing carpentry, where you need three staples to put a piece of fabric, like, tautly against something. Okay. And from that, he sort of went like, okay, if I limit myself to three in some respect in every single song, whether that be three chords, three parts, yeah, three yeah. words, three whatever, like working within that limitation allows for way more creativity. It, yeah, I think, but he's in a two piece and a four piece. I don't know, where's, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> wasted opportunity there. Yeah, I tell you, like, I think, like, yeah, then the vinyl or the police or something. I was just, yeah, I, I think it's, imp- it's really like these days, there's just so many things you can explore that you can totally <laughs> get on there. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a wise move. I didn't know you could, I didn't know you need three, surely you need four staples to really, only three, uh, I guess in a I don't know. triangle vibe. I don't really understand how, how that whole thing came around, but that, that was the story. <laughs> yeah, he's also like a purist. It wasn't a visual aid. <laughs> it's got to have, it's got to have, probably have a, um, a valve in it, otherwise it just doesn't look at it. Maybe. He's, yeah. he's like the traditionalist. Probably. <laughs> um, We're a heritage band, I mean. <laughs> yeah. No, dude. Um, I mean, it's just I took it to heart sort of after, directly after that. I was kind of on the writer's block, which is why I was watching like music yeah. documentaries and stuff anyway. Yeah, they, so I was like, okay, cool. Three chords. Let me go sit down and write, try and write a song with three chords. Out. It's so much fun, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I cool. still love that song that I wrote after that whole thing. And then I was like, okay, that's what's cool is, yeah, you can also, like, you know, you can, like, you can concentrate on getting into the song yeah. as opposed to like the details and, and the technique. Like that's a really cool place to be when you... For me, that's shifted to like rhythm. Yeah. The I mean, focus on rhythm and melody, it has a lot more impact sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Keith Richards, I mean, like he's an amazing rhythm player. Yeah. And like you don't really take, take it for granted. But when you actually listen, it's like, wow, okay, oh, that's, that's, that's amazing stuff. He's such a... It just comes out there. It's great. And it's true. It's like the rhythm, man. Mm. Just it's it's just keeping it keeping it going. Okay, and then probably the fan favorite album so far, Exploited and Destroyed. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was uh, that was the punk. That was punk. And we'd, uh, we'd we'd been on tour in Australia. I think that was the album I heard first from you guys. And, and our, yeah, we had um, yeah, we'd been on tour in Australia, and we were with friends of Rom. And they were very punk, and and we obviously had a big influence on us, and we were like, cool, this is. 
Was Australia the first tour outside of SA? Uh, no, we went, before that we've been to Europe. We did like a tour around Europe. We played a few shows with the, the selector and then we did some other kind of around Germany and Austria and, and um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a grueling tour, but it was cool. <laughs> when I say grueling, it was just, it was a bit long. We shouldn't, we put up a bit more, much, <laughs> like, I don't know, for a new band, if it's your first tour, you should maybe do two weeks, not seven. Yeah, <laughs> seven the, yeah, yeah, with the promoter there, we didn't really know that well. So, like, uh, and, and we would go up to these clubs, it was classic, and we'd be like, hey, we're, we're here from uh, Mark Foresco, he booked us, and the club owner would be like, Mark Foresco? And be like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> that guy, you playing here tonight? And like, so there was like, it was a weird thing of like, uh, it was a bunch of gigs that were awesome, and then a bunch of gigs that were like, kind of like, we were kind of like, it's kind of, I don't know, they either they didn't know about them or we were like immediately, uh, they wanted to speak to us about Mark Bresco, you know, like, hey, you know, so it was, it was a real link, but it was, it was cool. And then we came back and then we, Friends of Rom came over to South Africa and, and at the time our, our manager, Paul, he organized for them to come here and then, and then we went over there and that was cool because they had a little, we did a whole, like, from Cannes all the way down to Sydney. Yeah. Hectic. And it was great. And they, they were like, I mean, they were just like, they were fast and furious. And so we were like, I think influenced by them on, on the <laughs> tracks. And uh, yeah, I came back and we were ready to go. We were, we were ready. <laughs> we just wanted to do it. There was kind of this weird like connection between South Africa and Europe in terms of the punk scene. Like, yeah, a, while, a while back, I got into like vinyl collecting sort of a couple of years ago. And I found this little seven inch. Um, and it was just, I had no idea what it was, it, just, it was just labeled like hardcore punk. And I was like, oh no, okay, let me check this out. And it's like this, it's called Rocking Together. <laughs> and it was made in Durban in the 80s. But it's a split, like, album thing between a South African band with a Swedish vocalist, <laughs> a Swedish band, a band from New Zealand, and a band from like, I think Holland. It's amazing. Or Belgium or something. But it's just like... I this little thing that was so pressed cool, in the 80s between like all these countries and it's proper hardcore. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not rocking at all. They say like rocking is like a crazy name for them and there's really... You like, look on the cover, it's just this dude with like an old skateboard like that. Yeah, like okay, it's, it's cover or whatever, but the, the yeah. music's got... And they had like a great little uh, insert which was like a bunch of write-ups from the band and stuff and a bunch of cool photos and things and then at the bottom of it you can see like, we're really sorry, this was actually a way bigger like fold out thing <laughs> we left it in the cupboard while we were trying to like get enough funding to press That's the vinyl yeah. so some cockroaches ate some of the pages <laughs> okay, cool. that's like something that you just can't regret like that's, yeah. that's a, like, a unique one okay? like you know they might have been whatever made but i mean to, i would hang on to that one that's a collectible i think um i was there's something i was like Compilations. Mm. That's a great way as well, man. Like we like there used to be uh, a lot of those. We like were on a couple in the beginning that were really good. One was um, uh, yeah, keep it in the family, and another one was take care of the world, whatever. And yeah, it was just like us and all the other bands. You put like twenty bands on this thing, and it was such a cool way to to spread. It's been a little bit of a resurgence of it, though. Oh, really? With along with the vinyl scene, dude. Like yeah, the vinyl thing. I mean, I know, but I mean, compilations is in like. Is it digital or is it like uh, kind of something that's... I don't know which which came from which. It's just I've seen it through some vinyl stuff. But yeah. there's been in the last three years, I've seen maybe five compilation albums that have been done. That's cool. It's such a cool thing way to do. 
Like half of them were sort of electronic, but still. You know, yeah, it's just, I mean, if you're gonna make, yeah. <laughs> That's always been something I was kind of. And those CDs that used to come with magazines. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, those, those were pretty, I mean, you could get on those, it was cool, it was a good thing. That's sick, dude. No, but it's also it's it's something fun. physical you can have. And yeah, yeah. Give to someone if something was cool or whatever. Like, I, I just feel like yeah. telling someone, hey, go listen to this on Spotify is a lot different than telling someone, hey, yeah, I made yeah, you a mixtape. It is different. <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally, it's different. And it's very, like, at first I was very kind of like holding on to my seat, and then I got into, like, you know, uh, DJ account, and then I'm, now I'm just like, you know, that's where I am. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great. So, but it's a very different thing. And it's not, it's a, like, yeah changes your, your kind of relationship me I don't know I'm very like I'm happy for both um, I'm happy that everything exists I'm happy that vinyl's having a bit of a resurgence I'm happy that mm. more people have more access to more music yeah yeah like both I feel like there's never been a better time to be a music lover but I like it when I was the only person that had that one thing and then people <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no you, you can still be that yeah, you yeah, just gotta yeah, find yeah. the obscure stuff exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's not on there yeah we didn't go on there because it's like yeah mm. whatever but you can go to this place and do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, roll with the punches. Yeah, roll with punches was like, like yeah. So that one was, I think we did a lot of, um, if uh, Exploding Distorted was like a punk, punkist, then roll with punches was kind of like our most, uh, it was also quite diverse. We tried to put in a lot of like stuff and put a lot of attention to detail, like to production. Yeah. You know, try to, we had a whole lot of, uh, um, demos and then we chose like a bunch yeah. that we thought would make an album and stuff so um, and I think it had like commercially probably like a most reach you know and it got like picked up and it was the launch was huge and it was like it was yeah it was a, it was a cool album to do it was I mean, it was ridiculous like compared to like the next, like crazy friend like I mean I remember taking the Strat and the Gibson and like you know and, like all these and we messed around with tones and it was like yeah we went that whole kind of like you know let's let's like really like try and, and uh, push it uh, ourselves and, and you know not just go in and just put it down and um, for better or for worse I don't know I kind of it was I don't think we'd ever go like I don't know how compared to what, but I don't think we'd ever go so, uh, like, you know. <laughs> so, like, into detail. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it can be, like, a bit of a... But, I mean, we're happy with it in the end, and it was cool. It was mm. great. And, and it was it was received well. It was cool. So. Like, I think it's important that you at least explore those. Totally, sides, yeah. To see if there is something. And all those albums are recorded with John Paul. So, we're like, happy <laughs> <laughs> shot. We're like, oh, find out. But also by that, by that time you're so like comfortable with him. Exactly. Like, hey, yeah. Let's try this. He's like, oh, these guys again. No, it's <laughs> like, yeah. And we know, and, and um, because a lot of it is like, yeah, you know, you're putting down stuff. So the first time you go in and you're singing in this booth and then they just play your voice back on its own to listen to it. And you're just going like, oh, you want to like die. You know, yeah. it's just like, it's a hard thing. And then, you know, as you build up, you're like, you get used to it and you laugh about it. And then and that's cool. But yeah, it took us a while to get to it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was like what two thousand and eight that I think it was two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. That's the one. According to <laughs> 2000, my research, two thousand two, two thousand four. Yeah, yeah. So they started getting like a little bit spread out. It was <laughs> two years, two years, two, and then it was like, yeah. And then Crazy Friends was like two thousand thirteen, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that that would be number five. Yeah, it was like we got to come on, dude. It's going to do it. <laughs> Went back to John Paul, but that was like that's also quite a punk album. I'd say it's got a lot. Mm. The, but the problem was like we did um, fifteen songs or whatever, and <laughs> and so now we've got like all these songs that we like play live, okay, 
and when we like uh, and then we put uh, 15 songs out there we can't play just like this whole new album <laughs> nobody likes that yeah. especially people like uh, I'll go watch Iron Maiden I want to hear ASSI and I don't want to yeah well, <laughs> someone's always going to shout Freebird in the crowd yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> like this uh, and, and I, I like I appreciate that when the bands like still play so like even like if we had 15 tracks we probably like three of those tracks kind of got included a lot <laughs> <laughs> and it's a pity because I think there's so many cool songs in there and like and you know and also you get used to playing those three and to you know Oh, let's add another track and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Dude, that's something I've never had to even like think about or deal with is having such a big discography and trying to choose a set. Yes, yes, yeah. And the thing is, is you you get into the habit of playing certain songs, so you, you play them a lot, and you can play those songs well. So introduce new songs, <laughs> cool, but you don't play them as well, or you don't think you do. So you're like very hesitant, you know. But you have to. So, and then, uh, yeah. So by then, I mean this, the set list is like twenty track, twenty songs. And we did a four, uh, when our bass player turned 40 we did 40 tracks and we were like let's see and we, like, we, we did 40 tracks it's like cool this is we can do 40 it was like we nearly died sure <laughs> <laughs> just take a break in between <laughs> no we just went for it ate, ate uh, jungle oats in the morning and, and went for it and um, made sure yeah, we just said cool we were, it was his birthday so we said cool just us and then a DJ after his rap <laughs> and we said we're going to do 40 tracks and it was kind of like a day I mean, some of our songs are only a minute long, yeah. but there are some that are <laughs> still fast. Yeah, that's crazy. Dude. So, so yeah, I think that's. I mean, that happens. Like you know, you got to play. Mm. We have to play. There's some songs that we need to play. Yeah, I feel like setlist is also worth mentioning. That. Yeah, that was. Uh, that was that was basically yeah that was the setlist more or less that we were doing. <laughs> so look at this. Did you re-record some of those? Yeah, we kind of. Uh, it's sort of been like one of those things that uh, Rockwell, Bassman, he would have been like, yeah, we need to fix up this and fix up that and remaster that and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I would have been like, no, leave it. Like it is, you know, we always have this thing, but in the end, I think it got remastered and then we added in one or two little things just to make it a little bit different. Yeah. And it was, yeah, I think it's, it's cool to actually do that. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of like, I have said to him, like, no, we're not remastering, we're not remastering or touching anything else. <laughs> He's yeah, like, I'm cool. very happy with that. Yeah, he's like, cool, that's like, cool. Yeah, some of my favorite albums of all time sound terrible from a technical standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I love them to death. It's part of the character. Yeah, no, definitely. But I, I've always said, like, this is, um, is one of my things is a good song recorded badly is, is a good song, you know? Mm. And, and a cuck song recorded well is still a cuck song. Dude, a good example of that is, like, a song blowing up on social media or something when it's someone who just recorded it on the street with their phone. Yeah. You have, like, car noises and crazy things going around. It still gets millions of views. So then it make you think, like, the... The song, it's all about the idea of the song and where it is in, in, uh, in that moment. Like it's all about connection, dude. If you don't, Definitely. If it's, you can call it energy, you can call it whatever you want, but it's, there's something that happens when you hear something that just yeah. speaks to you. Yeah, and you're connecting you with, with, it, with the mind of what everybody's thinking, like it's kind of like this. And we always try to do that with the lyrics, just try to add in South African stuff without being too South African. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, without being the Lion King. So like, you know, just to add yeah. in some stuff. But that, that's always been one of my favorite like aspects of you guys. It's, it's not forced down your throat that we are South African. It's just, yeah, it, it's part of you. Yeah, it comes through. Mm. And don't try and run away. It's cool. It's a cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, every time you hear it for the first time, it, like, it makes you smile. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it was like a legacy thing as well. It was like being ashamed of being South African and stuff, but then there's no need. So, no, you know, it's like, you know, once upon a time it wasn't cool. And so, you know, but you've got to think about what's around you. And artists always like reflect what's going on. And mm. I mean, 
that's I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. So I trying to find those things now, you know. Yeah, I feel like it's whether you want to or not that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Your focus will determine reality. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, so you guys have pretty much been independent up until this point. I know. I know. In terms of your releases. Yeah. And yeah. Your, we were Mongrel. We were like strictly, yeah, strictly independent. Yeah. So Mongrel was, came along and, and Warren, who's like, what, runs Mongrel and, and um, Rockwell, they're, they're good pals and they're kind of chatting and came through and it just makes so much sense because he's, you know, it's like, seems like the right place for us to be yeah. and for us to do that album because like, you know, it's cool being independent, <laughs> but there's, I just, I just want to do write music, do, do, do the music and focus on that. Yeah. And there's a lot of it that just, yeah, we need that. We need to help assistance, somebody else who's on the same page as us. And so this is a cool opportunity for us. I think. Dude, it seems like Mongrel is doing some great stuff though. Yeah, I think so. Like the way they've handled the recent like Rough Magic release, for example, I, I can't think of a better South African release. Yeah, that's, that's from the like heavier side yeah. of things in recent memory. We're like on the easy listening side of Mongol. <laughs> We're like no, but it's cool. It just makes sense. It feels like a rad, a rad connection. So, mm. uh, and when it came up, it was like, yeah, let's do this. This is because now suddenly there's a deadline, or, or at least a kind of a more or less, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a time we want to do it, so and, and to get us going, you know. Because so now, now it's it's full full uh, full steam ahead. Well, yeah, I heard you guys talking about Pirate Fest in the yeah, middle of the interviews. You mentioned still working on the new album. Maybe. Wow, man, the Pirate Fest we played like a while ago. Hey, I never really nineteen. I never really realized there were so many pirates in in Joburg. It's huge and pirate bands and it's a lot of Aylesford fans. I know, I know. It felt like it felt great to play, but it also felt like we we're a little bit of um, outsiders, kind of um, uh, stepping onto some other somebody else's world in a way. You know, <laughs> <laughs> not a true pirates, you know, but. Um, it was cool. It was cool gig. Yeah, I was talking like, wow. There's a, there's a little bit of a crossover between like Ska and... Definitely, yeah. And there always has been. Like, there was like some Mad K's albums and there's a few others that are like, yeah, I walked the plank. So there Cold was the Vanilla always gives me a little bit of a pirate vibe <laughs> as well. Even though it's not even slightly pirate. It's kind of, I think it's the way they the, the way they wear the sashes or something like this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, so, the full bottle of wine every time they Yeah, yeah. They did that whole what's cosplay and which... Uh, Always sounds much weirder than it really is. Just the people dressed, you know, dressed up. But that was cool. It was like, <laughs> like wow, this is, this is, um, it's, it's that's what's so cool is that you know, um, is Joburg is big enough to have sub you know, genres that are yeah. lurking underneath, which is, I guess, one of the pros about being in Joburg. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And it, I mean. Yeah, so there's a pirate scene and there is a whatever you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. no, no, it's about to say, like, whatever you want, you'll find it. Yeah, it's almost like a Rule 36 with Fujobo. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit harder in Blimp to find those. Mm. There, there. Now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Blimp has... It's strange, because you have super passionate people, but yeah. they always be passionate about the weirdest little, <laughs> little thing. I guess they get protective as well, because they've been fighting for this thing the whole time. And it feels like it's them against the world. Yeah. And then they, you know, and then somebody else comes from the outside who's also into it. It can be kind of like, oh, wait a second, you know, um, this is my thing. Uh, we used to go. I don't know, Curb Dogs. Did you ever? Did you ever hear? I think it was before my yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a young, young guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just been. Yeah, then Curb Dogs was our was our connection down there. We went down and we were going to the craziest night. When we were hooked up with Half Price 
in Bloemfontein mm -hmm. so, and curb dogs and fuzzy and we played at the skate park and it was like what skate park was it? Oh man, oh, I can't I do not remember what it was called exactly but it was like it just opened and um, and we played and the gig was okay whatever it didn't you know it was okay but we, we all we were all like just you know, yeah. high life and, and then we said let's go and carry on partying and then I think we went out and we ended up going out into the country somewhere, just on the outskirts of town, to this place of exotic dancers, <laughs> so to speak. And it was half price, and it was just turned out to be the funniest night. Uh, I could, like, they even wrote a song about it. I think I know exactly yeah, yeah. where you went. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to the door, and we were all like, yeah, that's it. And the guy was like closing or something. And yeah, that's it. And it was like suddenly, like, you know, it's like dead in there. And then suddenly, like, you know, the cars pitch up, and like three bands jump out. And, uh, Half price, I'm like, half price, half price. <laughs> and they're like, okay, half price for all of you guys. <laughs> and, then, um, and then we went in, and yeah, it was, it was one of those kind of like, you know, legend nights of like just funniest stuff that happened. Yeah. You talk about, write songs about, and <laughs> having a time. Was the, was the skate park, did it have like fields covering it sort of all around? I remember it having like a tin, like a high tin roof. It was kind of industrial almost. Okay, okay. I think that was. It felt like it was an industrial area, like kind of like, mm. like, like somewhere where, yeah, warehousing or, or. Yeah, I think that one closed before yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> before, yeah. of skateboarding age. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That was a huge, like, yeah, the skateboard culture was like. It was, like my, um, the reason I was asking was my mom owned a skate park that she bought from a dude. Oh, <laughs> cool. So I was like, is it fuzzy just play at my mom's skate park? That would have been cool. Um, yeah, I mean, originally, like a million years ago, there used to be, I think it was called Thrashers. No, it was Thrashers. No, it was another one. It was on, in town. I'm trying to think of the word, but like, yeah, I used to have a hip hop. No, it was, I should know this name, but I can't remember now. Was, <laughs> and they uh, used to have uh, hip hop and punk and skateboarders and, you know, hanging out and doing their thing. And <laughs> it, was, it was cool. Yeah, it was important. Yeah, definitely. Like, skateboarding's always been sort of a. Like that's what brought me and my brother or opened us up to hip hop a little bit as well. Yeah. Like yeah. rap and stuff, which that's another rabbit hole you can go down forever. But I feel like the energy is the same. Yeah, no, it is the the definitely comes from the same space mm. of like, you know, like you know, DIY. Definitely like it's a very kind of like uh anti like, oh well you're not gonna this, so we're gonna make our own thing. Now it's like such a huge thing, but it wasn't always, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's like it's a, we'll sort of cap this off soon. Sweet. There's, there's <laughs> yeah, two little things I want to ask about. How was the touring with NoFX? It was cool. It was cool. It was like, you know, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing because it's a band that you've always, yeah. uh, <laughs> like Fat Rick and like Fat Mike and, and the whole thing. My yeah. dad lives in Switzerland and his entire, it was in a town called, ba a city called Basel. The entire city. I promise you, there's not a single building that doesn't have no FX tagged on it. <laughs> Switzerland. Just I think Yeah, we went through Switzerland and, and like when there's European tour and I mean, because we went to Europe twice and, and Switzerland was definitely like one of the best places to play. The venues are amazing. Like hey, there's like a, you know, and you'd be treated so nicely and then it was <laughs> yeah, it was and but touring with them, yeah, it was cool. I mean, we basically. Just, I, I, I went overseas and connected with the, the agent, the European agent there, and, and, and then convinced him that 
uh, we could put we could bring these bands over. So we did these form so we brought over Lagwagon and then Mad Caddies and then he said his thing was like, Yeah, you bring those bands over then you get to get no effects. Because <laughs> that's like that's the really is the you know, they they're the kind of band that you just announce them and they sell out. Yeah. You know, it's like they got that kind of pull. So um, yeah, I feel like I feel like people who haven't even heard a single NoFX song would buy a ticket to go watch NoFX. Yeah, song. yeah, it was no, the shows were great and it was amazing to play with them. So yeah, it was it was a it's a highlight, you know, along the way. <laughs> and um, it was learning to bring over bands because uh, that's a whole other world. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, a lot of logistics involved. Too many. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, when when can we expect? the new album? I'm thinking like we're going to be doing demos and stuff now and, and we want to have it out definitely before the end of the year. We want to have it out in September. That's the, that's the prize. And will there be a vinyl? Definitely. Finally. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. <laughs> that was another reason that was so cool to a couple of the Mongols that can offer us help with a vinyl. Because <laughs> we've been talking about it, we can do it, but whatever, you know. So, yeah. Dude, not to, not to like not too much of an idea in your head but maybe a couple of years down the line if you guys press a box set of all the albums onto yeah. vinyl I would pay a stupid amount of money for that <laughs> this one's coming <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we definitely wanted to do like we were going to do like a 20, 20th anniversary vinyl in there, like obviously in the past um, of Skankers or whatever so I think we're going to like do this one we're going to release our vinyl and then like start off and go back yeah amazing dude so it would be I'm really, yeah, it's really cool to be writing and putting fuzzy stuff together again. And it's also, what's amazing is that people are so positive about it and so how, like, am for it. It's like, yeah. Probably when I saw, when I saw that, like, on, I think it was on a Facebook post, I scrolled past it in the morning and I, I had the best day after that. <laughs> it was just like pumping fuzzy and like, yes. That's the best thing ever. Like, out of all the things, like, doing music is like, you know, there's all the, like, people, you know, like, ah, oh, is it fame, money or whatever. It's like none of those things. I mean, you know, it's because it's in South Africa and whatever. But even if the best thing is connecting with people and actually finding out that you actually uh, positive impact mm. and made people do stuff. And that's like, so many times people say, oh, you played in my high school. Oh, I saw you there or something like this. And you don't see it, but that's the best, the best thing. Dude. The most rewarding part of it, definitely. Amazing, man. But I think let's cap it there because otherwise this is going to go on forever. Exactly. Thank <laughs> you so, so much for coming on, man. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was an honor, to be frank. Thanks very much. It was great to be here. Thanks very much.